Well, I love that intro video and uh, fun fact that was designed by one of our worship ministers, Taylor Shea. And uh, let me tell you, Taylor does some incredible work. That, this, this week when I saw that video, it was so good that my first thought was he must have downloaded this from somewhere else. Like, uh, he must have gone to some worship ministry site and, and got this, uh, this video that's so well done. Uh, I know that uh, he creates most of our digital content, but that, that video was so done, I th- was so well done, I thought, man, he must have just taken an easy route this week. Like, he must, things must have come up. He was moving this week. Like, I bet he just had to do this, but I was wrong. <laughs> he took all the different elements, including that scripture reading of Isaiah 6, 8 from the Bible app. I don't know if you know uh, that you can do an audio version. I know some of you try to do it during the service sometimes, uh, and that's maybe when you found out for the first time that it does that. But uh, but he took all those elements and put it all together in, in one video. And, uh, you know, there are some that work for the church that can do graphic design, and then there are some that can do graphic design that d- decide to do it for the church. And Taylor is definitely the latter. Uh, and that sentence may not make sense to everyone, uh, so here's the difference. There are times that we do things because, well, there's nobody else to do it. Nobody else at the church or at work can do it, and so we just step in. And then there are times that we are truly gifted with things, and we choose to then use them for the church or for our jobs or whatever it might look like. And this morning, we're starting a new series titled Available. And we have three goals for all of you during it. And the first is to teach a biblical view of the believer's responsibility to serve, The second is to highlight the areas of our local church or our campus here where service is needed. And then number three is to help you discover your unique ministry shape. Now, what is a ministry shape, you ask? Well, uh, we're not going to be taking a personality test and tell you that you are a triangle or a rhombus, though some of you are definitely a rhombus. Uh, But SHAPE is actually an acronym uh, that stands for the following. Uh, Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And over the next few weeks, the month of October, we're going to be uh, going through each one of these and kind of looking to see where you can plug in, where you can be a part of the local church here Uh, just the way you are, the what you've been gifted with. And that's where we're going to start today is with our spiritual gifts. We're going to try to help you understand and and see what your shape is for service in the kingdom of God and through the ministry of the church here. Now, we have a tendency, though, when it comes to the local church to become consumers. It's real easy to do. It's just come and and come each week just to be fed or to be taught or, or to revitalize your faith. And certainly those can be great things that come from being a part of church. But throughout the New Testament, the church is described as a community that is working together. And today's American church, however, has been transformed to a model where we can come and sit and listen and then just go home. And then we come back next week and we come and we sit and we listen and we go home. And in that model, it's almost like the church is here every week trying to, to convince you that the gospel is true. Please just hold on to it. It's as if I am in the, as the preacher and pleading with you each week to please just remember who Jesus is and remember what he's done for you. And you're choosing every week whether or not you believe it. <laughs> and the problem is that doesn't seem to match up with how the church was set up in the first century. 
Because when we read about the church in the New Testament, it's a living and active community. Different parts coming together to form one body for one purpose. And many people, they, in, these, in this example, many people are using their, their gifts and talents for a common purpose, which is to love others and make disciples the way that Jesus did. And so as we go through this series, I want you to remember Paul's words in Ephesians 2.10. Paul says, for we are God's handiwork. The other translations say masterpiece. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so anytime during this series that you might be tempted to think that you aren't gifted or that this doesn't apply to you or, or whatever other reason that you might come up with that disqualifies you from being a part of this community, I want you to remember that you, each of you, are a masterpiece created by God, created in Christ Jesus to do great things for the kingdom. And God has been preparing you to do them. He's been preparing you all this time for you to do great works. God has given you the gifts to do great things for him. It's up to us to decide to use them for the church. It's up to us to make ourselves available. So this morning we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, go ahead and head over to Isaiah 6 and we'll be coming back there in just a moment. Now Isaiah is considered to be one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament and certainly some of the greatest prophecies of Jesus come from the book of Isaiah. And in chapter 6, Isaiah is speaking to the rebellious Israelites prior to their exile and captivity. And God, man, he's very angry with the people. If you've read the Old Testament, this happens a lot. The Israelites, they're good. They're following God, and then they see a squirrel, and they go over this way. Or they see a false god over here, and they go this way. They, they just follow the latest thing, and they turn away from God constantly. And God doesn't like that. He's a jealous God. He gets very angry. But in this passage, it seems like God has had it. He's like, I'm just so angry with you as a rebellious people. And so he's looking for somebody to come and, and talk to the people, but the thing is, he's trying to give them a message of salvation, like, y'all done messed it up big this time, but I'm going to give you a way to get yourself out of it. One final way to get yourself out of it. So he's looking, I need somebody to do this for me. And that brings us to Isaiah chapter 6. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. I did that first service too, sorry. It shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, or in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And that brings us to verse 8, which is the key verse for this entire series. And I hope 
that all of us will respond to the call of the Lord in the same way that Isaiah does here in verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Here here am I, send me. Isaiah made himself available to be used by God. In the face of opportunity, in the face of God asking and calling for somebody to step up, who will go for us? Isaiah said, me, I'll do it. And so what caused Isaiah to step up and serve in this moment? Well, first, Isaiah was eyewitness to God's glory and His holiness. And I don't know if you picked up on the fullness of it as we read through it, but this was a pretty incredible sight. I mean, he saw some pretty amazing things before he said, here am I. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne. The train of His robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw the seraphim flying above Him, singing praises to God, and their singing shook the temple, filling it with smoke. I mean, this was an incredible sight. And it led Isaiah to complete surrender. And the realization of his own sinfulness and and the subsequent forgiveness also led to Isaiah's willingness to serve, to say, yep, I'll go. And as he bore witness to this incredible scene, his response was, woe to me, I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I I live among people with unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord. He is He can't even look at his sin. I can't look. I'm not righteous enough to look at this. Isaiah felt unworthy just to be in the presence of the Lord. And the truth is, he was. Because of his sin, he can't be in the presence. But then one of the seraphim comes over with a hot coal and purifies Isaiah of his guilt and his sin. And the angel says that his sin has been atoned for A picture of Jesus before the birth of Jesus. And right after that, right after that, the Lord calls out and asks, who will go for us? It might have been in this moment that Isaiah realized what he ought to do as a result of the forgiveness of sin. That word ought is kind of a funny word, but it actually appears appears several times through the New Testament Paul told Timothy that he was giving him instructions so the people would know how they ought to conduct themselves. He told, Paul t- told Philemon that he ought to treat Onesimus as, in a certain way. In 2 Peter 3.11, Peter told his readers, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And the Apostle John said in 3 John 1.8 that we ought to show hospitality to people. When you've received forgiveness through the blood of Christ, it changes your heart. It changes your head, the way that you think, and it changes your priorities. See, before it was all about you. You were looking out for number one, but that was before Jesus. Now, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the king of your life. He is number one. It's not about what I want to do. It's about what he wants to do with me and through me. And because of Christ, we ought to do something. We ought to make ourselves available. We see Isaiah realizes after the forgiveness and atonement of his sins, we see Isaiah goes, I'm going to step up. I ought to do something. We see the disciples step up after Jesus ascends into heaven. And we see Paul step up after his conversion on the road to Damascus. Time after time, when people encounter Jesus, it leads them to step up 
and offer themselves to be used by God. So we have a responsibility to respond to the atonement of our sins by offering our gifts to service of the Lord. And I hope you feel that pull this morning. I hope you see this. There simply isn't a precedent seen in the Bible to make Jesus the king of your life and then oscillate back and forth between belief and non-belief the rest of your life. Like Isaiah, we should feel a pull to serve because of what Jesus has done for us. Peter and Paul write in their letters that we should crave to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus, and we should crave to use our gifts for his kingdom as well. And so if we have that desire, If we do crave that, if you make yourself available to be used however God sees fit, well then how do you know, how do do I know how or where to serve? I hear you, I hear you saying it, but how do I know? Well that brings us back to our shape. And for today we're going to be covering the S in our acronym which stands for your spiritual gift. Lord, I am available, I am here to be used with my spiritual gift. And every Christ follower has at least one spiritual gift. Uh, Yes, even those of you that don't think you're gifted or special at all, all of us, once we accept Jesus and and follow him, we all receive a spiritual gift from him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And there are different beliefs and theologies on spiritual gifts. We don't know everything there is to know about them. There are certainly mysteries surrounding them, but we know enough that we are able to use them. And our goal today is to help you to get on the right track to using your personal spiritual gift, the, the gift that God has given you for the kingdom. Let's look at a few things from this passage in 1 Corinthians, the words of Paul, that will help us discover and see our gifts. Number one, your spiritual gift comes from God himself. The Greek word for spiritual gift here is actually just one word, and it's the word charismata. And charismata literally means a grace gift. A gift that you didn't deserve. It's a gift that you couldn't earn and a gift that you never would have made. You can't earn it, you can't have ever earned it. It's a gift that you could not have designed, a gift that you could not have chosen. It is a gift that is from God himself, a perfect gift just for you because the sovereign God of the universe is the one that gave it to you. He knew the gift to give you and it's the perfect gift. James says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. And so this gift is given to each of us through God's grace and the forgiveness of our sins. You know, the, the grace of God is amazing, perhaps more amazing when we realize that it extends just beyond the forgiveness of our sins, which would make it amazing enough on its own. But God's grace extends to the gift that he has given us. And it, allows, and it extends to when he allows us to be a part of what he is building in this kingdom. 
And so what are you doing with the grace that has been afforded to you? Because we were never meant to accept Jesus, be baptized, and then sit on the sideline for the rest of our lives. Number two, your spiritual gift was given for the common good. We have not been gifted by God to build ourselves up, to to puff ourselves up, to make ourselves look better. No, we have been gifted by God to help build the body of Christ up. These tools that we have been given, they are not hobbies to play with. They are not something that we collect and brag about. Oh, look at all the gifts that I have. They are tools to build with, weapons to fight with. And we will be more effective when we put them to use for God's glory and for the building up of his church rather than for our own glory. 1 Peter 4.10, Peter says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Your spiritual gift was given to you to help the body of Christ do what Christ wants his body to do. And while there are a variety of spiritual gifts, the truth is there aren't thousands of them, and your gift isn't unique to just you. Chances are there are several people in the room here this morning that share a spiritual gift. Because if everybody had a unique gift, if there were millions of gifts out there, billions, well then how would anything ever get done in the church if we were all pulling in different directions? God has a specific purpose for the church, and the gifts that he gives are, are to accomplish that purpose. Again, these gifts are not frivolous things meant to accomplish meaningless things. These are gifts meant to help the church seek and save the lost, to make disciples of all nations. These are gifts to help us love God and love people and serve. And when we make ourselves available to be used by God, that's when our gifts can be used to execute that plan and that purpose. And so the question this morning is, what gifts have you been given by God that can help the church reach the lost and make disciples. And further than that, what gifts might you have been given that are being misused or not used to their fullest potential because you're not using them for God's purpose for the church? I just recently heard somebody bring this up, and it's really had me thinking, what, what are the things that you're really good at? The things that you just come really easy to you in your profession or in your daily life are actually part of a gift that God intended for use in the church, but you're only using it for personal gain. What if your greatest passion, the thing you care the most about in the world, is actually one of these grace gifts from God, but you refuse to make yourself available to be used and then you're misusing the gift? Let's look at Ephesians 2.10 again. Paul says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, it seems pretty clear that our main purpose, the, the reason that we've been saved, the reason that we've been created is to do the good works of the Lord. To love God, to love people, and serve. And if that's the case, and if every good and perfect gift comes from God himself, then not using the gifts and passions that we have for the church seems like a misuse of those gifts and passions. And and this isn't just about getting more volunteers for the church. We're not, this isn't part of a volunteer drive where we're like, we need more help in the children's ministry. We do, but that's not the point. All right. It's not about, it's not about filling up roles on, on a Sunday or a Wednesday. It's not about saying, oh my goodness, look at all of our volunteers. 
It's about the loss that could be reached if we all pulled in the same direction. If we all used our gifts together to reach the lost for Christ. It's about being used by God in the way that God intended when He gave you your gifts. Have you ever wondered why you're super passionate about certain things in the world? Or have you ever considered that the reason that you're really, really good at something, the reason that something comes so naturally and so easy is because God gave you that gift so you could use it to reach the lost. Friends, our gifts and our passions are not an accident. You were created by God in a specific way. You were created by God with a specific purpose in mind. He had a plan for your life when He formed you in your mother's womb, a way that He hoped you would use the gifts that He gave you to reach out to people. It's just a matter of making yourself available and seeing how God wants to use you. Now, some might ask, okay, what are, what's the difference between my spiritual gift and, and my talents or abilities? Well, the difference is when you received it. You may have had your talents or abilities since you were a kid, but you receive your spiritual gift when you become a Christian. And while I certainly hope that you use all of your abilities and talents for the kingdom as well, your spiritual gift was given to you with that specific purpose in mind. And others of you might say, okay, I hear you. I I hear what you're saying, and I agree. I need to use my gift for the church. I would love to serve in the church, but I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I've never really thought about that. How do I figure that out? Well, I'm so glad that you asked because... Number three this morning is your spiritual gift will become known when you make yourself available. Here is a list, uh, we put a slide up here of a list of spiritual gifts taken from various places in the New Testament. Uh, And we don't have time to go through each one of these in depth, but I've provided a brief definition on the slide for each one. And this week our groups are going to be discussing them a little more in depth as we go through. Uh, there are, now, if, you, if you're not a part of our groups, then you should be. But if you want to do a little more research on your own, too, there are ser- several spiritual gift tests or surveys out there that, ca- that you can take to help you determine which one of these you might be. And, and these tests or surveys, they kind of work a lot like a personality test where you just answer a bunch of questions, and then at the end, you tally up your score, and you kind of see where you lean. I I took one of these for the first time when I was in my mid-20s. I never really thought about it too much before that, and I was was amazed by the answer because it was right. Like, it described me to a T. My spiritual gift was faith. That was my biggest thing. And then they give, that particular test would give like a strength and a weakness of that particular gift. And I was like, yes, those are my strengths and weaknesses. And so this can be a really revealing thing and try to figure out where you fit in the church, where you fit in the kingdom. Um, but as you read through those, see if there's any of these uh, that, you might, that might stick out to you, that you want to, to make a note of. Write it down, put it in your notes app, whatever, and then you can kind of look at it at, at this week and pray about it. Because if you're serious about discovering your spiritual gift, and I hope you are because you should be, <laughs> then we need to pray that God would reveal it to you. If you don't know what it is already, that's okay. Like I said, I never thought about it until I'd done it. But we should be trying to figure out what it is so we can be used by God. If you don't know what it is, then pray that God would reveal it to you. Go to God every day. Tell him that you are available. God, I'm here. 
send me. I'm available to be used in any way that you would see fit, whatever it looks like. And I want you to reveal my spiritual gift. I don't know what it is. What is it, God? Where do you want to lead me? Now, one caveat to all of this is when you discover your spiritual gift, don't let it become more important to you than Jesus is. We have a tendency to pump ourselves up and be like, and do things for our own gain. Remember that Jesus is always number one in everything. Jesus is always number one. So when you figure out your spiritual gift, it should be, I'm figuring out my gift so I can use it for Jesus, not so I can show all the people how gifted I am. And that this actually happened to the Corinthians, and Paul had to sort them out. So it can happen to us, and I don't want you to fall into the same trap uh, because I'm not Paul, so I don't know if I can sort you out. But uh, just that's the caveat there. But when you discover it, when God reveals your spiritual gift to you, then use it. Use your gift to glorify God, to serve in the church, and move the kingdom forward. It doesn't matter how big or small you think the job might be. Find a place that uses that gifting. You'll be amazed at how blessed your time will be. You might even be amazed and surprised at how easy and natural it all comes to you because you're just doing what God has created you to do. God has given you a divine gift that you are just inherently good at. It's something that just comes natural. It just is a matter of tapping into it. And you may have already been using your gifting for years in other areas. You just have never used it for the church. And so this morning, let's commit to making ourselves available to God, to be used by Him to do great things, things through, through Christ Jesus that He created us in advance to do. Let's submit to the one who has the greatest plans made in advance for us. Back in Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, exalted, seated on His throne, in that moment, Isaiah realized his sinfulness, and then he saw his sins forgiven and atoned for. And it moved him to action right after that forgiveness. Here I am, send me. This morning, I want all of us to imagine our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, high and lifted up, but hanging on a cross. Jesus stepped up for each one of us and became the sacrifice for our sins because he loved us so much. He came to serve all of us by going to the cross at Calvary to erase our guilt and atone for our sins forever and allow us to even be used by God. We would not have these gifts if it weren't for Jesus. When we think about all that has been done for us, will we respond like Isaiah did? In the moment where we see our sins forgiven, our guilt erased, our sins atoned for by Jesus, are we willing to say, here am I, send me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we can come here this morning and learn from your word. And we thank you for your love. We thank you that you loved each one of us so much that you would send your one and only son Jesus to go to the cross for us while we were still sinners, while we were still broken, He died for each one of us. And Father, that was the plan from the very beginning, from creation, that Jesus would go to the cross for each one of us so that our sins would be forgiven and we could be in Your presence for eternity. And so Father, I, 
I pray that we would not take advantage of your grace. That like Isaiah, our reaction would be one of, uh, of service, of stepping up. God, you have saved me. How can I reach the lost? God, you have given me this gift. How can I use it? Where can I go with it? The truth is that all of us have these gifts. There's not any person that's disqualified. There's not any person that you skipped over. That's Christ followers this morning sitting in this room. And all throughout the world, we've all been gifted by you. A specific gift for us to be used in a way through your church to reach the kingdom. Father, there's a lot of times in this world that we get beat down. We get told we have nothing to offer. That there's no place for us. Father, I pray that we hear the message this morning that there is a place in your church. That we are special. That we are called out by you. That we are loved by you. And that you have carved out a place for us to help further your kingdom. I don't always understand why, why you've allowed us to be a part of what you're doing. You are the ultimate architect. You've got the blueprint laid out. There's many other ways that you could have built your kingdom, yet you allow us to be a part of it. Boy, that doesn't make sense sometimes. But you know more than we could ever know. So Father, this morning I pray that we would, we would hear your call. We would know that there's nobody excluded from that call, that we've all been called to make ourselves available to you, to use our gifts for you and for your kingdom. Father, we thank you so much that you have included us in this. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you most of all for your son Jesus who went to the cross for us to atone for our sins and to give us a hope that extends beyond this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've come this morning and you've never given your life over to Christ, I have good news for you. This whole sermon doesn't really, there's no responsibility for you. I, I don't have a gift. I haven't been accepted. I haven't accepted Jesus. And so I don't, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to serve. I don't have to do anything. But it's a little bit of a good news, bad news situation. I gave you the good news first, but here's the bad news. So if you never accept Christ as your Savior, you never get access to the Father. See, Isaiah there, he has that, and he couldn't even look at the Lord. He couldn't be in the presence of the Lord because the sin was too much. See, God and sin don't coexist. And Isaiah knew that. It wasn't until, it wasn't until his sins had been atoned for that he could be used. It wasn't until his sins had been atoned for that he could even be in the presence. So for us, it's the same. Yeah, you... You could say, I have no responsibility because I've never accepted Christ. But if you never accepted Christ, then your sins are still separating you from God. And your sins are still keeping you where you're at. Because Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to the Father. And so the bad news is, if we don't accept Jesus, then this world is all we've got. And we will spend an eternity separated from God. That's not a place you want to be. I would take all the responsibility in the world if it meant that I was never separated for eternity. 
You can change that this morning. If you've never made the decision to make Jesus the king of your life, today is the day. There's no better day than today to say, I'm done trying to do it on my own. I'm trying to live for only me. I want to live for King Jesus the rest of my life. And so I hope that you come this morning and say, I want to make that decision to make him the king of my life, the Lord of my life, declare him as my savior and be baptized in front of all these friends to say, my old life is gone and my new life starts today. From this day forward, I will serve Jesus the rest of my life. So if you never made that decision, I would love to talk to you about that right down front this morning. If you've already made that decision, you come here this morning and you just feel broken by the world. Listen, the world does not stop because you have a relationship with Jesus. We have an outlet. We have a power in prayer to sometimes it's just still really hard. People still get sick. People still say really bad things. You know, like life can still be really hard. And so if you have made that decision, but you just need some prayer this morning, I'd love to pray with you over whatever's going on in your life. Just bring God into that situation because that's the ultimate weapon against the things of this world that God has given us is, is a connection to him that we can go to him in prayer. So I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you don't want to come after the service, or right now you can come after the service, or man, we can come anytime during the week. I'd love for you to scan that QR code all around. we got a prayer request button on there that we pray over any request that comes in every week as a staff because we believe prayer is so powerful. So if you have a decision to make or if you need some prayer this morning, I'll be right down front. I just invite all of us to stand and sing our final song together.